Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Happy Easter from all of us here at Real Presence Radio, and welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live. Father James Gross, a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, joining you, and accompanied, as always, by my uh, uh, my compatriot and classmate, Father Jason Luffer. Good morning. Good morning. He is risen indeed. Alleluia, alleluia. Amen, brother. Yes, indeed. We are right in the middle of the octave of Easter, which has been uh, referred to certainly on this channel already this week, and we'll be diving into some of those issues later on, and uh, some great conversations, as always, as well. But uh, as we start off, Father, could I call upon you to lead us with an opening prayer. Absolutely. Let's invoke the the glory of our God this morning. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your Son, Jesus Christ, for his victory over sin and death, for his resurrection, for his resurrected glory, for... um, just uh, the grace that he brings into our lives. We thank you for the new birth, the new creation of all the neophytes, the baby baptized, newly baptized Christians, and those who have been confirmed in the Lord and received their first Eucharist here in these days. Uh, we thank you, Heavenly Father, also for all of our young people who are receiving the sacraments of confirmation and Eucharist. Uh, Heavenly Father, your glory uh, shines forth in our land. And um, we ask now that that glory be made manifest in these airwaves. We ask that the hearts, the minds, the imaginations, uh, the memories of all of our listeners be touched by the Holy Spirit and brought fully alive. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, as Father Leffer alluded to in the opening prayer, it is a beautiful time in the liturgical year. We'll be uh, visiting with you about some of those things, and we'd like to hear from you later today at the bottom of the hour. We'll start our straight talk segment here at Real Presence Radio, and we'll let you know how to uh, enter into that conversation. For now, we're going to do our... um, uh, literary uh, ambling uh, <laughs> with uh, with our uh, guests. Some some people refer to it as literary lunacy down the lane, right? <laughs> well, for us it's stumbling, but for our guests, they're very much on the right path. We have uh, Nancy Gord back with us again. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. And we also have a fellow priest of the Diocese of Fargo, Father William Slattery, with us. Uh, good morning and welcome back. Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you, too. We are going to be uh, diving into um, a very substantial uh, book, uh, something that has been uh, ranked on numerous lists as one of the most influential works of the entire 20th century. So, um, Nancy, let's just go ahead and begin with you, if you could uh, just introduce uh, what we are going to be analyzing today. A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl is a book that fits into so many courses of study, philosophy, theology, psychology, the humanities, for it examines and explains the need for meaning in one's life, 
and also how one chooses to face difficult, tragic circumstances beyond one's control. Victor Frankel, the author, um, I think it, uh, it's, it's good to talk a little bit about his story as well. This was originally written in 1946 and, of course, shortly thereafter translated into many different languages. He was a uh, native of Vienna, a psychiatrist, and pretty high-ranking in his field. And um, uh, if either of you wants to jump in by telling us a little bit about what he experienced as kind of the content of this book. Father, would you like yeah. to speak about Frankel? Yeah, so, uh, um, yeah, Victor Frankel was a predominant you know, psychologist and um, in Vienna. He had an opportunity to leave uh, um, with a visa, but he, uh, he chose to stay and, and it ended up that his entire family was sent to a concentration camp uh, and which they were uh, like other ethnic Jews were um, were forced to live and um, work and were had suffered under the, that uh, that concentration model used by the Germans. Um, the, the The book kind of takes two two parts. The first part is uh, recounting the experiences that uh, that he and other uh, prisoners endured um, in the, in the concentration camp. And, uh, and just this, this, the reality of human suffering. Um, he kind of was able to kind of lead and guide uh, kind of uh, some of the other prisoners through um, their experiences uh, using kind of his model of, uh, of psychology that would become what he calls logotherapy afterwards, which is uh, kind of the search for, for meaning in one's life and the, the ability for meaning to help individuals endure these kind of immense, and struggles, and that's kind of mixed up the parts of the book with different accounts of the experiences of those prisoners um, at Auschwitz and other concentration camps, and then uh, then the application of that in the latter part of the book um, to his model of, of therapy uh, called logotherapy. Right. He had so many observations in the concentration camp that led him to understand how important logotherapy was to the people to have meaning in life, unlike Freud, who found uh, will to pleasure, Adler, will to power, Frankel goes will to meaning, that need to explain one's existence and find value in it. And he saw that people equipped with meaning in life had a better chance of survival in the concentration camps. Yeah, like some of the practical examples um, he, he gives are, you, you can have the, the exact same people in the exact same situation, same horrible circumstances, and let's say one person says, determines that by Christmas time we'll be set free, mm-hmm. and Christmas comes and passes, they're not set free, and in a short time that person will succumb and die. Or, you know, an, another person who um, they they realize the horrible conditions that they're in but they discover this this inner inner source of meaning and so they they actually find personal meaning within the horrible circumstances and they're they're able to actually become a better person because of the circumstances and and to actually not just survive but to become a really good human being where somebody else who who doesn't uh see this inner source um they might 
take advantage of others or, or just live for themselves or they end up becoming a horrible human being or a cruel human being. Right. Um, right. So he, he, in a certain way, the concentration camp became kind of like his, his uh, field of, of observation of the human person. Mm-hmm. And, and this, he discovered this, this principle at the heart of it, which is meaning. Absolutely. And, and he does go into detail discussing how one finds meaning in life through an inner spiritual love, of, in love for others, in one's work, and also in one's suffering, how one approaches that suffering and can either alleviate suffering for others, as in Maximilian Kolbe, or actually serves as a model for how to deal with adverse situations. Father, do you know, was, was this... Was, Oh, okay. So, yeah, we'll continue well, our conversation well, he, well, here well, with Nancy. So, yep. you know, I think we just lost Father Slattery. He'll get back on in a moment here. But the, uh, so Father Gross, for you and I, this, yeah. this, this work was very instrumental in seminary. We, we had uh, um, our philosophy uh, professor, he introduced us to this work. And I, I know for me it was, a, it was a transformative work of thought in my young mind, mm-hmm. uh, discovering this. And... Okay, Father Slattery. Sorry, uh, my phone dropped out. Yeah, no, no problem. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, what I was going to ask you, like, uh, I was just mentioning how Father Gross and I, we were introduced to this this work in seminary. It was very influential for us, and we we learned about this book along with Pope John Paul and his encyclical that came out at that time about, or maybe it wasn't an encyclical. I can't remember if it was what level, but it was about letter. Yeah, about suffering. Yeah. Do, do you know, is, is there a connection, relationship between Pope John Paul II and Viktor Frankl's meaning for suffering? Uh, I, there, there's no direct link in that, um, but I think in the, both of these individuals lived through that common experience. So that would be what I would say that of uh, the, the suffering of, of, of World War II and the experience of, of living past that. Um, I think that would be, I know that, uh, that uh, Viktor Frankl did meet with Paul VI, um, and and was kind of in contact with him, but I, I I'm not I'm not familiar with any direct link between that. Other than I think you know, in that common sense of uh, for both Director Frankel and John Paul II, there's a rich way that spirituality uh, is is a, a source of of meaning that can be found, mm-hmm. and it, it's part of the freedom of the individual. That the, that's one of the great strengths of the human person is this the spiritual portion of him that is his freedom and his great kind of autonomy as an individual that that's that force that's beyond matter beyond this uh part of the world that is allows him to act allows him to find hope allows him to search for meaning you know, be, it, se- yeah. it seems like there's kind of a you know when suffering comes into a person's life there's maybe I'm sure there's a number of approaches, but one of two main approaches. One is, you know, suffering should be avoided at all, at all costs. Um, we should be able to do anything. There should be some pill or some technique or something to, to take the suffering away. Nobody should have to suffer. And then there's this other approach where, well, actually, suffering uh, is a source of helping you to become a better version of yourself, and that it'll work for your good and for your salvation. What, what does? Can you help us, our listeners, understand what, what, what was Frankel's approach to this whole kind of idea of suffering? Uh, I think well, at the I, core. I, oh, yeah, Lance, go ahead. Lance, go ahead. Yep. 
Well, I just wanted to comment that, that Frankel is, is very big on saying that we never lose our free will in how to make a choice to deal with adverse situations. And I, I do think, and he's also very big to say that, that you, know, you have to be careful if it is suffering that can be alleviated. You don't want it to become sort of a masochistic thing, but if it is unavoidable, if it's a diagnosis or a certain circumstance that causes you to suffer, that how do you look at that? How can you see anything good that can come out of that? And and also, I have said it so many times in literature classes, and I was so fortunately able to say it in the Catholic school system, that that suffering unites us with Christ. It brings us closer to Christ because of his suffering for our sins. I think Nancy, you you identified the key, the the real key thing in this work by Viktor Frankl, where I mean, basically what he discovered in the concentration camp was, it it doesn't matter how horrible the external circumstances are, that nobody can take away your interior freedom unless you surrender it, and and he was showing that mm-hmm. the, at the moment if you surrender your freedom, it's kind of like ball game is over. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. you're you're done for. But that if that, you that was if, a summary. Go yeah. ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Father. Yeah, I said that was that would be his kind of yeah his summary and like and I think that the, the path of freedom for those who are in those situations of intense suffering is that recognition of that interior freedom that allows them the capacity to find meaning and hope and change um, and endure if they have to. But also, um, as Nancy said, if the situation is something that can end, uh, you know, then you then you quit, you end it, end it and mm-hmm. do something different. Um, he was kind of famous for, there was a, uh, a story of a diplomat who came to him, was unhappy with his job, and then he basically said, we'll just get a new job. <laughs> like, yeah. for, for a psychologist, like, that's not, uh, you know, it's not the classic model of, you know, six minutes of, or six hours a week, or, or you know, six months of therapy, you know, it wouldn't make you a lot of money, but but I, I think the core of it, Victor Frankl was so uh he was so interested in that again power of interior freedom. And I think that's a good link with John Paul II of of that then redemptive quality of suffering, and that's why I love mm-hmm. this book too. Is that link with the Christian faith and the resurrection? Is that uh, that the, that was a suffering that could not be avoided because it is necessary for our salvation. And he shows there, I think, a great way too of how our own individual sufferings um, can be embraced with that interior freedom. For the redemption of others, um, for for our own personal sanctification, and also to find meaning in those moments of life that are unavoidable, that do come um, yeah. and are also alienating and, and struggling. Well, our book that we're discussing this month is uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. We're in the middle of this discussion with Nancy Gord and Father William Slattery. And uh, when we come back, uh, we'd like to look a little bit at uh, the impact of this book in terms of keeping the lessons that uh, history teaches for us uh, alive. So we'll come back to this interview right after a short break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know? 
know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish, one who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer joining you from our Grand Fork Studios, where spring will eventually make an appearance. We... I'm not sure about that, Father Gross. I heard they scheduled it on a Tuesday this year, and I think that Tuesday's already passed. I think we missed it. Oh well, as long as summer comes and it's in its a uh, typical manner, that's uh, that'll be something to be grateful for. In the meantime, as we are looking ahead here in the program, at the bottom of the hour, we will have our straight talk segment, and that is a time for you to bring questions to us. The number to call for that is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You can also submit questions on our Facebook page at. Real Presence Radio. Well, we have Nancy Gord and Father Slattery with us uh, talking about this uh, monumental uh, work um, in uh, Western civilization, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Uh, When you look at history and how far we've come since that point in terms of time, last December was the 80th anniversary of the Pearl Harbor uh, invasion. Very, very few World War II vets are are still with us, you know, um, considering how much time has passed. Um, And, uh, you know, this, I think, is one of those uh, books that is going to be important for uh, generations to come, not just in terms of exploring their own 
dealing with uh, suffering and trauma, but just uh, remembering this uh, instance of, of man's inhumanity to man and uh, what uh, the Nazi regime had perpetrated. So um, can if either of you wants to just uh, offer some thoughts about uh, how you see uh, the impact of this book kind of in a, a big picture sort of scenario. Well, I do, I could, I do believe that so many people understand the basic premises of logotherapy, the importance of doing good, meaningful work of love for others, uh, of a way to deal with crisis situations. So he has such an understandable approach to how one can deal with life. And I think since the Holocaust since World War II, we have seen so many instances, and we see them in literature all the time, of people who have summoned that inner strength, that spirituality, to overcome situations. So he writes a universal message that has transcended these 80 years. And as a matter of fact, you know, he mentions going into the concentration camp with his manuscript for his book, Hidden. And, of mm. course, that is destroyed. But always he thought to the future. He is very big on looking to the future, that, that he would be writing a book. As a matter of fact, I had read that he wrote Man's Search for Meaning in nine days. But even thinking to the future of this, what they, he refers to a, a tragic optimism, there was an account of a uh, prisoner of war in the Vietnam War that in his mind built his house brick by brick during his time of imprisonment. And then, if I recall correctly, he actually went out and did that. So what Frankel proposes as a form of therapy, I think we can naturally, as people who have meaning in our lives, embrace and understand. Mm -hmm. And Father Slattery, if you had any uh, follow-ups to that? Uh, Well, I think particularly for what, what I find very uh, meaningful about this book and lasting is the kind of the recognition of the uniqueness of, of suffering that um, that uh, he says again like the size of human suffering is absolutely relative just because he, he likens it to kind of a gas that fills the chamber of the soul and no matter how kind of small or, or, or large kind of the soul is or expanded or knowledge or that that suffering has the capacity to expand and consume uh, which also makes it unique for all of us. Um, and I think like, with that, like, I think the, the local therapy on that side is just that these basic elements of how do we endure that suffering and find through it growth and character and meaning, I think there's a, a great and hopeful path there that resonates with individuals uh, who, in small or big ways, experience suffering in this world, uh, whether it's loss of loved ones or their own kind of personal kind of struggle with um, figuring out uh, their lives. Uh, I teach seniors, and right now they're all looking at their futures and going off to college. And some of them are sitting in this this, uh, this space of internal suffering, just not knowing what to do. Uh, there's a paralysis that gets there, and I think uh, you know, Frank will highlight on these you know basic steps of how we can recover that interior freedom, which ultimately is a spiritual quality. And uh, I, I find that that's one of the meaningful and lasting parts of this book. Father Slattery, could you comment maybe? But what does what does the theological virtue of hope? What what does that have to do with what what Frankel is proposing here? Uh, I think well, hope is uh, is faith in in in, in what uh, it, it, it's faith, especially 
in in things that are uh, we say unseen, but it's it's faith in the reality of substance of faith that is proven to us over time that makes us then trust so we can make that step of God's going to be providing for us. Uh, I think that's the strength of hope is it's it's a expectation. It isn't just kind of some basic kind of emotion of blind faith, but it is, you know, this recognition of all the things that God has done in the past, what He does for me now, holding me in existence, loving me, and then being able then in confidence to look to the future. And I think that that, that is part of that, and the importance of this this search for meaning that Frankel uh, touches on, of that inspiration, of that in these moments where individuals have been radically robbed of their freedom, we see still the triumph of interior freedom, which is the greater freedom, the more lasting and meaningful freedom. And that triumph is something that, in those conditions, that from anyone else's perspective, we'd say, oh, it's hopeless. I can't. I couldn't do it. I could never do it. How could they do it? They can find the strength to uh, pursue a future. Nancy, you you were speaking about how practical his approach is, and one one of the the more famous, often quoted lines from this work is he was talking about, you know, in the United States, which he eventually moved to the United States, but about the Statue of Liberty on the East Coast, which is his monument to freedom. To but he said, in order for for freedom to not simply become licensed or to disappear or be corrupted, he said, the West Coast, we should really erect a statue right. to responsibility. <laughs> and he was talking about how, basically how in order to have true freedom, there has to be certain limitations and responsibilities. And Nancy, you were talking about like the practical expression that what comes out like doing good works, and for, which would come from this interior freedom or hopefulness. Could, could you maybe talk about that a little bit, about how you see that connection of just the the practical what what does this interior freedom look like in a practical way lived out i think we have opportunities to choose work that we do whether it is work that is paid or whether it is volunteer work and i was thinking this during and this is my third read of the book in preparation for today i was thinking how blessed a person is who does work out of love and for the glory of God. Some You're making money for your family whom you love. You're doing volunteer work for the needy whom you love. And they're all the faces of Christ. And I thought how blessed that person is. I do want to mention in terms of the practicality of his approach, before he was put into a concentration camp, before his arrest, he worked with young people who were suicidal. And he, in this, this sort of existential void, this vacuum that they had, and he had a, a great success working with those young people who felt so bleak about going forward in life. And when you think about the condition of young people today, he does briefly mention things uh, like addiction. And what people are going through today, this approach... To acknowledge the past, they're all pages of our book every day that goes by, but look to the future. You know, what can one do? And again, I think what you're testifying to there is the recovery of personal meaning. If a, a, a person who's operating from a place of meaning and, and purpose in their identity, they're, 
they're not contemplating ending anything. They're contemplating living. And, I, I, right. and, and that's the, you know, his method is about coming into the will and teaching the will to choose life, really. Right. Say yes to life. Yeah. Father Slattery, think, any final yeah. uh, comments? Well, I think we're kind of leaving on that. I think uh, you look at John Paul II's uh, pontificate, I think there's a lot of uh, great kind of parallels that are found within his writings. Uh, you know, the topics he talks about, uh, on human suffering, on the dignity of workers, on the gospel of life, uh, uh, these are all, like, you know, very, very great parallels to uh, what Viktor Frankl is talking about, um, and especially in uh, Redemptor's Missio, of that understanding, and particularly of the work of salvation, which finds its it's a focal point as the cross mm-hmm. that leads to resurrection. Um, and I think particularly for the, the Christian life, um, there, there is a way in which we do embrace differently, are invited by Jesus to embrace differently the sufferings of this world, um, to find in them and search in them an encounter with God, and therefore uh, with meaning, that which we can find a, a lasting uh, significance to the, the sufferings that we endure, but also then as Nancy and as pointed to, and that Victor Frankl points to, the work that we do, the responsibility we take mm-hmm. for the world, for our own action, our own freedom, and for um, the good of others. Right. So the so the the book which we cannot recommend highly enough, "Man's Search for Meaning" by Victor Frankl. Um, before we let you go, uh, we're curious in case you had any ideas of anything that might be in the hopper for our next discussion. Yes, we have something in the hopper. We have The Long Loneliness by Dorothy Day, her autobiographical piece. Wonderful. You keep taking us deeper. Well, I was like, oh, that title, (laughs) The Long Loneliness. She she could have chosen a title less bleak. Yeah, <laughs> right. but actually, it's a very, it's a very good, right? Work. It's a very is. enlightening version to the, yeah. the life. Of Ap- the apropos in its own way, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> very right. good. But. Well, Father, Father Slattery, thanks, and and Nancy, thank you so much for joining us again, and uh, blessings to you during this Easter season. Yes, and to you as well. Very Happy good. Day. Well. Happy Easter to you, Father. Um, If you uh, listening now have any questions about the resurrection, Easter, or any other topic relating to the Catholic faith, things that you've always wondered and were maybe afraid to ask, have no fear. We are here to take your questions next on Straight Talk. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.